Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sundays with Saima. This podcast is made for aspiring otolaryngologists to learn from trainees and professionals in the field. I'm your host, Saima Wase, third-year medical student at Northeast Ohio Medical University. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ahmed Mahmoud, a practicing otolaryngologist at the Summit Health Group in New Jersey. He completed a dual degree in mechanical and aerospace engineering at Rutgers University before he went on to work for NASA as an aerodynamics engineer. He then transitioned to medicine and attended medical school and completed residency at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Mahmoud, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Hey, yeah, uh, it's a pleasure. Um, always, uh, always really fun to chat with uh, people who are interested in ENT. Um, happy to be here. We're really excited to have you here. So your path to medicine and ENT is somewhat untraditional. Can you tell us a little bit from the beginning what drew you to engineering in the first place? Yeah, so interesting story. You know, um, my parents were always saying, hey, you know, you should be an engineer or a doctor, engineer or a doctor, you know, typical uh, immigrant parents. I, it's funny because I was like, I totally don't want to be a doctor, but I do want to be an engineer. So I was like, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go for that. Okay. And um, I, the whole time I was just never particularly interested in medicine. I was always interested in science and math and things like that. So um, I ended up obviously, you know, going to college and doing uh, mechanical and aerospace. Um, it was actually interesting. I went to Rutgers uh, University for undergrad and they didn't have like a proper aerospace uh, department. It was a division of mechanical. And reality is I wanted to do aerospace. Uh, mechanical was a little bit of an afterthought, but you had to do both. And so that's why I ended up with a degree in both. Kind of worked out in my case. Um, never was medical school or medicine on my mind. Um, I graduated, uh, I worked for NASA, like you said, um, had a great time there, enjoyed it very much. But um, I guess I just, maybe started thinking like it's a little bit too sterile. It's a little bit too um, analytical. Uh, you know, I was kind of missing that like human feel. Um, and, uh, you know, something that I never really knew I wanted, uh, essentially. And so I started thinking about what I would do. Um, would I continue being an engineer and maybe switch fields uh, with an engineer? I actually applied to uh, PhD engineering programs, um, thinking I wanted to be a professor, you know, give me that, give me that, you know, teach people and stuff like that. That's what I wanted. Um, and, uh, I actually thought, you know, doing surgery seemed really interesting. Um, it's funny cause I wasn't really medicine that I was interested in. It was surgery. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know what, turns out I have a lot of the prerequisites and requirements in order to go to medical school. Uh, let me just uh, finish up a couple of classes over the summer, take the MCAT, see how it goes. I'm already applying to PhD programs anyway. Let's see. Uh, and so fortunately, I, uh, I got accepted to both PhD programs in engineering and also for medical school. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make the make the dive and go for medical school. The, the, the prospect of doing surgery was just like something that was really fascinating to me that I didn't really want to let up. Uh, and the reality is I knew that there was plenty of engineering to be done in medicine. Um, and so that was, that was, you know, kind of my approach is 
if I go down this route, I get to continue being an engineer and apply it in medicine. Whereas if I were to go down like the PhD engineering route, I'm basically just an engineer. So um, yeah. That's the, you fulfilled that's the both of your parents' dreams, being a doctor and an engineer. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So you went into medical school, um, kind of taking that engineering background with you. Can -hmm. you tell us about some of the skills that you used in engineering in your medical school and residency training? Yeah, so engineering is very different than medicine. Um, Something that I, it was a little bit of a rude awakening first semester, you know. Uh, In engineering, a lot of it is... uh, memorization is discouraged actually uh it's all about analytics thinking critical thinking etc in fact almost all the exams were open book um and even if they weren't open book you know you were always allowed to bring a cheat sheet and you could write whatever you wanted on it right um so when i went into medicine i was like okay i don't need to like memorize this stuff i'm just gonna learn how the heart works and i'm just gonna learn how the endocrine system works and i'm just gonna you know figure it out once I understand the basics, uh, it turns out that was a very inefficient way of doing things in medicine. You actually do need to commit a lot of things to memory. Uh, you need to uh, just know things um, off the top of your head and you don't necessarily have time. And I mean, it makes sense. You don't have time um, to you know, work through you know, a complex analytical problem when you're in the spur of the moment, like if you're in the middle of a surgery. Sure. Um, so there was a lot of learning uh, adjustments that had to be made there. Um, it's funny, I found that memorizing things was actually turned out to be easier. Um, and so I thought it worked out well. Um, once I got the hang of that, actually, you know, it was, it was pretty smooth at that point. Nice, nice. So then how did you discover ENT specifically within the surgical fields? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit by chance. I actually hadn't even heard of otolaryngology until I was applying to medical school and I got into medical school. And one day I, uh, I was married at the time. I went with my wife to one of her doctor's appointments. She was like, oh yeah, I'm going to see my ENT. And I was like, what, what is that? Like a paramedic or is it like EM? I was thinking EMT. I was like, don't they just like ride in ambulances and deal with emergencies? She's like, no, the otolaryngologist, I have sinus problems. I was like, okay, I'll go with you. Um, I went with her. I I still remember, you know, the doctor that I met, he was uh, very nice. Uh, He walked me through it. Uh, I was like, oh, what's this field all about? And um, we started talking and I was like, actually, this is really interesting. I mean, like this is airway stuff. I mean, the sinuses and Uh, throat it's all aerodynamics i mean i was like this is what i do this is my wheelhouse um so it that was what put it on the radar for me um i was actually thinking primarily ortho or neurosurgery uh because of you know the the mechanical component of ortho and um because of you know so uh throughout medical school for me it was really uh, it was hard for me to decide between those three it was either neurosurgery ortho or ent um the whole time pretty much Mm -hmm. yeah that's great and um so so you found otolaryngology and like a lot of the the engineering background kind of came into play with the aerodynamics Mm -hmm. um what what do you what kind of patients do you see in your clinic now uh, so I do general, uh, otolaryngology, but I have a unofficial subspecialty or focus on the sleep surgery. Okay. 
so uh, I do like the Inspire implants. Um, one of only a few, I'm in New Jersey right now, one of only a few in New Jersey that do it. Um, I do other uh, airway surgeries, uh, palatoplasties, uh, things like that. Um, the occasional, although very rare nowadays, robotic surgery is kind of falling out of favor for sleep. It's popular for cancer and not, not as popular for sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously a lot of sinus surgery, nasal surgery, because it's all part of the airway. Um, and so that's... Um, the that's kind of that's my focus uh but i still do a lot of other general ent i do plenty of thyroids uh, i do plenty of uh, uh neck things uh other sinus things oral things um i'm not doing as much ears nowadays um which is funny because when i first went into ent i was like oh the ears are really interesting and really cool mm -hmm. um but i have a partner in my practice who you know likes to do the ears so i let him do the ears and then he lets me do the sleep. So it kind of works out. Nice. So how is your practice set up? How many people work with you? And so I'm actually part of a huge, uh, practice. Um, I think it's the largest multi-specialty group in the country, if not the world, it's a summit health is what it's called. Um, it's, uh, really cool because, um, I think it's, it's like over a thousand doctors um, spread out across New Jersey and uh, New York City. Um, uh, and it's cool because uh, we have all specialties involved. Um, I think there's about uh, 22, 23 ENTs uh, as part of it. But again, there's a thousand doctors. Yeah. So uh, it, it's basically imagine being part of uh, an academic hospital, except you're not actually part of a hospital. It's all done outpatients. Okay. Um, so it's cool because, you know, I, I know, I know all the people who are referring patients to me, I, you know, in the EMR, it just, I can send them a message, tell them, Hey, I'm thinking about this and this for this patient. What do you think? And that kind of thing. So it's nice. It's, it's like basically a huge, uh, community to be a part of, um, where you can bounce things off of other, uh, specialists essentially. That's great. Yeah. So, um, what are the most exciting parts of your job? Uh, the surgeries, uh, I mean, I, I like it a lot. Um, it, not, you know, everyone kind of has their preference of what they like to do. I know a lot of ENTs are, you know, really interested in being in the office, um, all day, every day and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Obviously I love being in the office. I love talking to patients. I love meeting my patients, getting to know them, et cetera. But yeah, the things that get me uh, really excited, um, you know, when I'm, quick to get out of bed in the morning or when I know I have like, you know, a couple of cool surgeries to do that day. Um, and so with that in mind, I mean, I, I try to operate like almost every day. Um, and, uh, you know, it works out nicely that way. That's great. Like the balance of the clinic and the surgical aspects of the field are a big draw for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I I'll do, I'll do like a whole day of surgeries. I'm like, Oh man, I miss being in the clinic. I'll do clinic. I'll be like, I miss being in the OR. <laughs> so you just, you just go back and forth. Um, uh, so it's, uh, you know, you, you lose interest, I guess, not, not lose interest, but I guess like, you know, you do it for a while and you're like, let me go, let me go do that next. And so it never so gets old. Attention. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what are the most mundane parts of your job? Oh boy. I think every doctor will tell you, uh, writing notes, okay. um, you gotta document those patient charts, uh, you know, 
Uh, it gets repetitive, but yeah, it's part of the job. And um, the reality is, it's not as painful as people think it is. I mean, once once you get the hang of it, it's you know, it it, it just becomes second nature. It's it, it's it becomes like you know, like lunch, drinking water. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I think with the newer generations of physicians, I think that's probably getting quicker and more efficient. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of, uh, first of all, being, everything's EMR now, right? And I mean, like a lot of, uh, a lot of doctors, especially the older ones, um, are still very used to doing things in the paper chart, um, which is something that like was surprising to me. I'm like, wait, what are you guys talking about here? Internet <laughs> and computers have been out since like the eighties and nineties, like everyone should be very used to, but like in medicine's a little bit slow to catch on technologically. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, EMRs nowadays, like you have the ability to set up templates, you have the ability to set up order sets, you know, like if you just kind of spend some time and uh, get to understand it, you could really just make it work for you. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, you can blow through things and without losing out on like any accuracy either. I mean, you obviously want to be like, you want to be accurate with your notes, you want to be um, consistent with your notes. Um, and actually, I think like setting, you know, having your order sets, having your templates and stuff like that just helps you keep on track and helps you make things efficient. And actually, to be honest, I feel like helps you make sure you don't miss things um, that, you you know, you could otherwise forget about sometimes because, you know, this is the 30th patient you saw with the sleep apnea, like, you know, they kind of blend together a little bit, but having that template just keeps you, keeps you paced properly, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so what's your call schedule like? Uh, for me, um, my call schedule is, uh, it's uh, actually complicated and I don't fully understand it myself, <laughs> but I just, I just follow what, you know, what's on the schedule. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not bad by any means. I mean, I'm actually on call right now, but actually I got, I got, a, I got a call actually about maybe two hours before you called me. I, on call this whole weekend um you know your the way it kind of works is you know with your practice is uh you figure out um uh you know are you, uh, what hospital are you on call with and then for your practice how are you going to be on call so are you going to have a practice where um everyone is just on call for their own patients all the time and then maybe when you go on vacation you have your point your cover for you or something like that or are you, or is, are you going to be part of a practice where everyone covers everyone else's patients um, for however, you know, whatever day? So for example, in my practice, um, you know, one person takes Mondays, one person takes Tuesdays, one takes Wednesdays, one takes Thursdays, and then we kind of take turns for who takes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Right. So that way, so that way, you know, you're getting, this is why I say it's complicated. You know, you're getting, you know, you're getting one weekday and then, you know, you're getting a weekend like every you know, once a month or once every, you know, once every five weeks, something like that. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, pretty chill. Most of it is, you know, you're just answering phone calls for patients who have, you know, emergencies at home. Um, but then on top of that, there's also a call for the hospital. So, you know, and that's between you and your practice, but you and also all the other ENT practices that practice at that hospital. Right. So the hospital that I'm at, for example, I think there's 30, ENTs. Um, so, you know, you're, you're only on call, like maybe once, you know, for me, I think I'm on call for the hospital, like 
maybe three times a year, three or four times a year. But then obviously it's highly variable. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so some hospitals I know, you know, you're on call like every other week practically. Um, but all of it depends on what you're set up with. Nice. So you were talking about a little bit how Summit Health and um, how it's kind of a middle ground between completely isolated private practice and academic center. So how do you kind of keep up with the vast field of otolaryngology on a day-to-day -day basis? The, uh, it's, uh, I mean, we have like academic resources, like being, being the advantage of being a separate, uh, private practice that's technically disconnected from the hospital is that you could actually still draw upon the resources of multiple hospitals, right? Cause we're, we're not, we're not part of the hospital system, but we, but we do affiliate and we do work with the hospital systems. Right. Mm -hmm. But at that point, we're not limited to one hospital system, right? Like you can, you, Summit Medical Group is very broad. And so we're actually affiliated with multiple hospital systems. Okay. Um, so, you know, you can draw upon that academically. Um, there's obviously all the online resources like up to date and all these things where, you know, all the literature that's out there that you still, you know, read up on. Um, they also, you know, and a lot of practices do this, they'll sponsor, um, uh, expenses for CME credits and things like that, which are all, you know, you gotta basically keep yourself educated basically. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's particularly unique compared to other places. Right. So do you have any, um, tips for medical students applying to otolaryngology? It's a very competitive field and, um, what kind of advice would you give to someone? wanting to go into the field? Uh, the advice I give to people who want to go into otolaryngology is um, there's no shortcuts, uh, work hard. Obviously, yeah, do your research, get good grades. Um, but I, what I think is probably most important is make sure you do a good job on your rotations, make sure you do a good job with uh, the residents that you're working with, with the attendings that you're working with. Um, and this holds true for a lot of specialties. Uh, it's, you know, grades and research are a big part, don't get me wrong. But, um, but I think the biggest part is simply what your work ethic is, um, your willingness to learn, your willingness to work hard, um, and uh, your willingness to get along socially and be a team player. Uh, it's funny, I mean, when I was in residency, I remember, um, you'd have a medical student and you'd say, you know, if someone, if someone were to complain, oh, but this medical student didn't really know much. Well, my response to that is, well, I could teach them, you know, I can teach them details and stuff out of a book, but sure. I, you know, I, I preferred this medical student over the other one because this medical student knew how to get along socially. You know what I'm saying? Like it's easier for us to teach science and facts to someone than it is to teach, you know, social acumen and the ability to get along and, you know, right. empathy and stuff like that. Right. Um, that's not to say that, you, you know, you should go, go into your rotations without any knowledge. It's just to say that, um, you know, make sure, make sure you're a team player, make sure you work well with others. Um, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, just to recap, like being a good team player, having the knowledge and the re research, but making sure that you're social skills and you're just being sociable on the rotation itself. Mm -hmm.
Nice. Okay. Are there any skills that you think would be important for a medical student to have before going into these rotations? Um, OR skill can be helpful. Um, uh, problem solving is a big one. Um, if someone gives you a task, um, being able to figure out how to accomplish that task, um, you know, you shouldn't necessarily be afraid to ask questions. If you need help, of course, ask questions. Um, but uh, critical thinking and the ability to problem solve goes a long way. Uh, you know, if, you, if I have a medical student, I tell them, hey, you know, go make sure the patient is ready for surgery. Um, for them to be able to go and figure out what that entails um, is a big deal. But if I had to tell them, hey, make sure you know, patient is ready for surgery, make sure the consent is there, make sure they, you know, the nurse is okay, make sure the OR is ready. And I'm saying if you have to like list out all the little details of what that takes, right. you know, then that, that takes up effort from like the resident's perspective and mm -hmm. the attending's perspective. Whereas this was, this was a task that they potentially offloaded to you so that you can take it off their plate essentially. Um, so that, that I think is a big part of it, um, is, you know, and that, but that goes along with being a team player and critical thinking. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think, I think those are all useful skills for medical students. Awesome. So outside of your work, what do you like to do for fun in terms of hobbies? Uh, I, well, I mean, family ends up taking most of my time. Um, I, I have, I have three daughters. Um, and so uh we spend a lot of time together especially out of work um when i have time i like i like anything outdoors um you know, really liking kayaking nowadays we like hiking um hopefully i can convince my family to go camping a couple of times um <laughs> but for, for me it's all just about being out in nature as far away from people as possible and <laughs> that, that for me is what it takes um yeah nice well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it was great to be able to learn about your path to ENT and otolaryngology. And um, we learned a lot as medical students from your insight and the process. So thank you so much. No problem. My pleasure. Yeah. Catch us next Sunday on another episode of Sundays with Saima.